As today's technology blows away the sands of time, we are digging deeper into the secrets of these mysteries. Welcome to the PowerShell Podcast, the podcast for PowerShell and the PowerShell community. Far more powerful than all the others. And now, here's your hosts, Jordan Hammond and Andrew Plaw. Hey everybody, welcome back to the PowerShell Podcast. I'm Ultra Mega Superstar Jordan, along with Andrew in his final week. <laughs> my final week. Why is it my final week, Jordan? I'm, I'm pretty sure that you have terminal illness uh, of a light cough. Yeah, light cough. No, I got a little bronchitis, but you know, we couldn't miss an episode. I didn't want to miss out. I'm here. We're ready to rock. We have a very special guest today, which we will get to in a few minutes. But yeah, man, happy to be here. Right, I'm glad you're, you're persevering. You're making it through. Strength, man. Pure strength. All right, it's, it's time to give a shout out to uh, Clayton Tiger. Long time friend of the show, Clayton Tiger. His blog has made it onto the PS Weekly Update on Dow.dev, which I think is fantastic. Uh, he did a one-liner Wednesday, is what he puts up there, and this recent one made it into the latest, I'm going to say July 28th, but I could click on it and check, but I don't want to. Uh, he posted it on the 26th. Um but you know what? Yeah, Clayton's been crushing it. He's been posting pretty consistently for a while now, sharing his perspective, getting out there, learning along the way. Last week, we gave him a shout out for his module, which I believe he has published now. Um, we'll have a link to his module in the show notes. hey check it out. But yeah, he had a nice little one-liner on checking disk space utilization in free space. What else we got? I, I took the first one to make you have to pick next. Yeah. So next, this is a little teaser because our esteemed guest today actually wrote this article. Um, but there is a cool bar- article. There's a cool article by Harm on PowerShell is fun about out console grid view and F7 history, which we may have briefly mentioned once before because I know it was kind of part of uh, some of the stuff I did for my PowerShell uh, summit talk. But it's pretty cool. The article breaks down real nice and gets you using out console grid view. But we won't talk about it more. We want to talk about it with Harm in a, in a few moments here. But what's this last module? Because I checked it out and I thought it was pretty sweet. Uh, so James Brundage is at it again. He's got a module for, it's a posh module that extends types and formatting in PowerShell. Yeah, and to avoid confusion, the module's name is posh. I know some people refer to PowerShell as posh. But yeah, Posh module, you install it. it. It gives you some extended types and formatting. You can run get command and see that each unique verb for the commands has a different color. Um, so pretty useful, cool module. Check it out. We should probably interview him at some point again here and catch up on the rest of his projects because I know he's always writing some new PowerShell. He's got some, I talked to him at some, he's got a lot going on right now. It'd be interesting to pick his brain. For sure. But now it's time we got uh, today's guest. Uh, he has the website, PowerShell is Fun, which is the greatest URL of all time. That's a fantastic one. It's everyone, fun. Yeah, everyone welcome Harm Venstra. So, hello. Hey, how's it going? Yeah. So, I, can, I just say I'm jealous of the URL you captured. PowerShell is Fun is brilliant. Yeah, my first URL for the website was actually just another IT guy. And then I thought of the other one, so... I, t- I took both domains, but PowerShell is fun. This is going to stay. Yep. I've been doing a whole bunch of reading through there, and I think you mentioned pre-show. I'm, I'm talking off camera now, but you mentioned you were doing two blogs a week to start. Yes, it was a lot. Yes, it's a lot. I said that basically is a full-time job at that point. Uh, it, it almost was because first the, the blocks were somewhat smaller and then I did two a week, but it's it's like a lot um, and you have to be creative uh, because every time you have to think of something new to write about and I actually have a task board for that and luckily enough I have enough topics to talk about and uh, because of my job I keep on thinking about new things and running into new things, but yeah. So I will say everything you have in there is all good insight for when you're doing general system administration. I would have loved to have had access to this when I was doing this on the regular because you take some of the core knowledge or default knowledge and you build on it, you go into the reasons why. Uh, Like for one that stuck out to me was 
I had been told before that you want to do most of your filtering left of the pipeline because it's faster. Yep. And I wasn't, I wasn't sure the exact reason, but you have a blog in there that's server-side filtering, which it goes into why it's so much faster to run it that way. It is so much faster. Yep. We're, we're talking, uh, you did an uh, exchange online test and it took it from 16 seconds to 62 milliseconds by doing yep. the proper filtering. So if, if you're interested in why, if you, I think most of us in power probably heard you want to do your filtering left of the pipeline. If you're looking for the why, and actual measure commands for it. That's a fantastic blog to dive into. Yeah, because then you actually see the difference because someone can tell you it makes a difference in it. Well, I got all the time in the world. If you have to do it like 100 times a day or scheduled or non-scheduled, it takes up a lot of your system. And for, for general things, like there's not always noticeable difference, but if you're doing something like Exchange Online or Azure AD where you're, if you're doing your filtering over on the server itself, it it's a significant saving of time. It's, it's going to save you, your script will be incredibly fast. Yeah, and if you have to rerun it for a lot of times, because, uh, well, I, I mainly do that because of my consultancy job. I have to uh, write up uh, reports a lot, and I do a lot of inventories, and uh, well, waiting all day long is not something for me. No, <laughs> I, want to, I want to get my documents done and do the, the, the cool stuff instead of just writing up documents about the things that I'm going to. So, yeah. I think the phrase that I always hear about formatting is, uh, sorry, filter left, format right. So the left side should be doing yep. your filtering, right side so you can do all your formatting. Yep, correctly. And the text formatting is always the most difficult part. You, you, you always have your outputs great, greatly sorted, and then you think, oh, I have some special characters in it. Okay, and then the fun part begins. Yeah. So what led to you starting your blog? Because I know you mentioned you had the other URL, but where did you kind of get the idea, hey, I should share what I'm working on, some of these cool things? Well, I think I was in the PowerShell tech community for, for like, more than a year and I wrote a lot of things in there and I saw a lot of blog posts and people sharing their knowledge there and I thought oh I can do that too because I answered so many questions on the tech community why not just share all the things that I encounter so that I can actually refer them to my website instead of just lurking other people's websites so yeah that, that was my main reason just knowledge sharing because uh, uh, giving back to the community is even better than just only taking. Definitely. And no. uh, have you been in the position where you're looking for an answer to something and you find your own blog? I do Google sometimes and then I see my own blog. And I, okay, not quite. So otherwise I've already known it, but yeah, it happens. It's always a fun moment. Yeah, most of my, especially the Intune printer blogs that I wrote, is like first page, four for 50 salt, I guess. So, yeah. So the, the printer one is actually one that stuck out to me because I was, I was giggling about it because most of your blogs, you have uh, comments that are four or five comments per one, and then you're installing printer drivers, there's 106 comments. Yeah. And, and for <laughs> that one, I thought it was funny because I did a, a live webcast doing something similar. And I pushed it off for a year because I, I thought basically you should just be doing group policy. No one's going to want this. It is the most viewed thing I've ever done. So yeah. something, something about printers and PowerShell is a need out there. So it's, I just thought it was interesting. We had a similar response for printers. Yeah. And, and printers are always the IT admin's nightmare. And uh, that's why they have the printing nightmare uh, issue now. Uh, because because users aren't uh, allowed to install print drives anymore, so that was my reason to start the blog. Because it's the most heard question of all my customers: How do I push out printers? How do I update them? And oh yeah, and I just think I just print to PDF because it's more efficient. But and and that was what I thought: the printers are less used before. I, I thought I thought we were wasting an entire webcast on that one, and I'm, I think. About double the most of anything I've ever done. Plus, I did it with my brother. That's always fun. So, <laughs> so Harm, you are a consultant. Do you mind telling us a little bit more about what you do? Are you in Azure? Are you on prem? Are you just general all around? What's what's your background? Microsoft, anything. 
basically uh, because I doing IT since 1996, so I do almost everything uh, Microsoft, if it's on-prem or cloud-based. Uh, I get people to the cloud, I, I get people back from the cloud to on-prem, and I upgrade on-prem. Anything Microsoft, actually. And, and I stopped doing uh, VMware, Cisco, and Citrix. It was like too much. You can't do everything. When do you think someone should move off the cloud? Could be cost, could be latency, and I think latency uh, could be one of the bigger ones. It, it just depends on your workload. But if you're running stuff in the cloud, and uh, for, for example, hospitals, something that has always has to be uh, available and low latency, hospitals, uh, it's, it's, it's important for them because seconds uh, could uh, matter. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, that's a good consideration. Um, I'm wondering how customizes your prompt. I did try to customize with all the fancy color codes and things. I just have the the, the Git one so that I can actually see in what branch I am or if, uh, if I have commits left. But mine's not as colorful and beautiful as I sometimes see other people use. No. I'm, I'm a pretty basic console Windows terminal user. Windows terminal. Uh, obviously, but yeah, Jordan can relate to that. What's yours? So I, I uh, stick with defaults, and it drives Andrew crazy. He hates hates that I use default anything. Okay, <laughs> yeah. is this is the moment that Andrew is going to show his, or no, no. I actually just moved to Mac maybe a month ago, and I haven't really dug down the customizing my prompt over here, so I'm completely default. You're just happy that your PowerShell even works on a Mac. Exactly, I am. And I'm finding out the ways that it doesn't. And I'm finding out all the quirks with Macs. Because um, it's hard to go... Because I like to be a super user. But uh, I'm not a super user. I'm, I'm a new user still. Yeah. Well, I'm still thinking about buying a Mac. And then I think, well, there's all the stuff that won't work anymore. Uh, PowerShell-wise. Because we are on Microsoft. Nothing. Yep. But some some of the fun stuff works. .NET Core is pretty cool. Now, I have a question about the most. So PowerShell is fun. I agree with that completely. It's fun to, you know, I like getting paid for work. And if we can have fun while getting paid, ooh, 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 that's a good combination. Now, what is the most out-of-the-box, out-of-this-world thing you've done with PowerShell? Not related to work. Not related to work. It could be. Maybe if it's a really weird request, but... Well, for, for, for me, uh, personally, developing stuff, uh, did a blog post, I think, last month, two months ago, about uh, Visual Studio Code and Windows Sandbox. So I, I started to script, uh, spin up a Windows Sandbox SSH into it, install Visual Studio Code extensions and run all my code from inside a disposable Windows Sandbox VM. It's so much easier for developing my scripts because I can destroy the whole machine. It doesn't matter. And it's pretty fast. And it's, and it's, it's, it's unique every time. You can use uh, like snapshots, but this is better, I think. Took me the yeah. time to develop. So, yeah. <laughs> That's a, a nice little combo there. I've done that a bit with the Raspberry Pi remote development, kind of having a box in my home to just run PowerShell scripts and... Those VS Code tools, I tell you what, having VS Code in your toolbox and then actually taking advantage of it, putting in the time to get it to work for you, goes a long way in making your workflow more efficient. Yeah, but there are still people running IC. There are, and you know what? It, it works for some people, and, and that's great, and some people don't have access to it or whatever, maybe in super lockdown scenarios, but woo, there's a lot of value in VS Code. Yeah. I think I only use like 10% at most. Me too. But there's so much more in it. Yeah, and it's nice because in this day and age with languages, right, you have AI, you know, once you understand how to program, it is somewhat easy to learn other languages. Well, if you have a project that uses Ruby or JavaScript, you can use your same editor and have a very similar experience in a lot of ways to PowerShell, which I think just helps bridge the gap a little bit more. 
No, having the same tool instead of running a completely different IDE. Uh, yeah. Yep. One less barrier to entry. So we mentioned a blog post in the beginning of yours with the um, F7 out console grid view. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Let our people know what they need to be uh, getting. Well, I use the normal grid view a lot because I can filter my output in a, in a nice console window. And um, running it inside terminal always has like a charm to it, just like running, well, even for my DOS period. Uh, I like having everything in one screen. And uh, it actually allows that, uh, running your, your filtering in a screen, and it's fast. And it, it's multi-platform, so it should work on your Mac too, obviously, because you don't have IC. So, yeah. Yeah, because it's reached a version that it's stable now, because it has been out there for a while, but it just bumped up in, 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 in version numbering. I saw a lot of people talking about it. That's why I wrote about it. Yeah. Yeah, I, wonder, I don't know exactly what they did to it in the recent improvements, but it is very cool. I talked about this in my PowerShell Summit talk a bit. Um, this is a great way to make uh, command line interface tools, right? That, that don't need an external window. So many tools and so many things in PowerShell, and shout out to Clayton for the callback, but uh, so many things can be one-liners. And if you can have a one-liner and maybe you need to manually do some filtering to select what you want to actually do, you can make use of a in-console filtering, like you're saying. Um, so I highly recommend check it out. We'll have a link to Harm's blog on it. Out console grid view is super cool. And it, you know, even just out grid view is super cool as well. Um, but I think that out console grid view, it's always good to have different options. And for me, as someone who gets distracted very easily, not having an external window, another chance to get lost is good. Like just keep it all in my PowerShell window. I want it all right there. Yep. All same. And uh, you can use the pass through option as well. And the pass through option is one of oh. the better reasons because I, I see people developing whole menu, just menu items and pressing A, B, C. If you just throw it into an, a console and use the pass through, you can select it yourself and it will just store it in a variable. Yeah, because pass through makes it so whatever you choose on the screen goes out the pipeline. So you can yep. connect it to another command or do other things to it afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a great call out there. And the F7 history thing that you mentioned is basically that, uh, sort of. Um, F7 history is an example of a tool built without console grid view to look through your history. And if you want to run a line of code, you can select it from your history and boom, it'll be passed on. With, with PS Readline, do you have to go in there and change hotkeys within PS Readline for F7 to work with that one, or is it just work by default when you install the module? I guess, is there any sort of conflict where you have to say which one gets to use F7? Yeah, you have to, you have to add it in your, in your profile okay. uh, that it actually binds to F7, but you can bind it to other keys as well. But yeah, it, it's basically the old PowerShell 5 behavior mm -hmm. because it was there before. <laughs> this is better. I just remember a lot of times with PS Readline, because if you go through the list of the hotkeys, it uses a lot of hotkeys because it does a lot. So not having that conflict would be important, but I like the idea of having the option of which one you want to use for your, your history as well. Yep. It's F7 and Shift F7. Shift F7 is your whole history. Uh, you, you can press your up arrow for a kilometer long, but this is easier. Yeah, Shift F7, I think, is the one that has the most advantage. Because no. rather than just the actual session that you're typing in right now, it accesses your history file from previous sessions and all that kind of thing. So, no. so you guys use it to find useful commands. I use it to find how many times I've typed my password in clear text. <laughs> and, and, and try to remove that from your <laughs> shell history. <laughs> uh, I'd reset my password. <laughs> well, I have, uh, when I was new working here, I put my password in clear text in a live webcast. So, I mean, I'm not real secure on this one. Jordan123 was your password. We all found out. It was not. It was uh, 
I don't know if I actually wanted to repeat it. They wanted to make a t-shirt of it because they really enjoyed me doing that. Nice. Yeah, that's why you don't make your password something that could get you uh, in trouble. Keep it clean. Yeah, it's always embarrassing uh, in an emergency case that you actually have to tell your password because you're the last one with an actual working account in the fire. Oh, God. You have to share your password and, you know. You, you guys aren't uh, believers in security through impurity? Huh. Obscurity, yes. but <laughs> <laughs> Impurity. Harm, have you been in that position where your whole place got hacked and you're the last one standing? <laughs> Luckily enough, no. But I had uh, I had other colleagues who had to actually tell me their passwords sometimes, and uh, yeah, it's embarrassing. Yep. Back Don't. when I got when I got started in IT like 11 years ago or so, I remember we were told to just get people's passwords whenever we were going to rebuild their computers. Just put them on a sticky note and close the laptop. And you know, <laughs> no one's going to crack that. That's how he did it. No that's one's going to crack it. that code. Well, people no. still do it, but uh, yeah, I can't bring myself to, uh, especially as someone who knows what they're doing more than just like being a beginner, because you don't want to be liable for that kind of thing, and you don't want to make a habit of doing things that expose you and your company, but like you as in particular. Um, yeah. It's not good to have that in the chat history or anywhere. No. But yeah, don't share your passwords on sticky notes, everybody. You heard it Wait, here first. But I'm confused because I've always heard that air gap is solid security and you technically have an air gap with that post-it note. It's not on your network. So that's got to be super secure, right? It's your room with uh, two pass keys and a fork and an N. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's how that all works. <laughs> Fortunately not. No. I just so, hope saying stuff like that gives Fred physical pain. <laughs> I bet it does. <laughs> he's your security officer? or uh, he, He's a guest of ours for a couple of episodes now that is just really plugged into security with PowerShell. And uh, he, he gave us a, a quote that gets told to me a lot now of uh, execution policy is like having a rock in the yard and hoping the burglar trips on it. He's not a big fan of execution policy, so I get I get told that quite a bit now because I keep forgetting. But yeah, Fred Weinman, if you know him, he has some uh, great modules out there. He's a PFE for Microsoft. But so you're a consultant. You're working with companies. They bring you in. Are you finding yourself having to teach people PowerShell at all as part of your job? Yep. Yep. And most. All school admins are almost afraid for it. Yeah, I don't want to learn anything new. Uh, CMDs, okay, probably bad script, but similar. But uh, PowerShell is always like, no, I don't want to start learning anything new again. You do it. Yeah. How do we get past that? Making it more fun? I don't know. <laughs> hey, PowerShell is fun. <laughs> it's, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you just, they need to be convinced. They have to actually see a, a benefit like straight away. Right. Yeah, I think I run into those types of people sometimes too, where maybe they can get some PowerShell. Because in IT, you kind of have to be able to at least run PowerShell scripts sometimes. Like if you're working with Microsoft products, at least, like I feel like there's a guarantee that you're going to have to run some PowerShell command, whether it's support telling you to do it or to enable a particular feature or something like that? Um, it's mostly Exchange. When Exchange 2010 started, I think that was the first one, or 2007. But that's that's the part that some admins learned PowerShell just because they had to. Yeah. With your customers, do you ever see the light bulb go off in their eyes where they like it kind of connects to them how powerful PowerShell is? Sometimes I think I wish I learned it sooner. And uh, uh, sometimes you get a comparison. Well, there was another company here and it took them like a whole day to fill in all those details. And I think, well, it's just five minutes to press the button, have the scripts ready. Of course, you have to invest somewhere. But, yeah. And was PowerShell your first language or do you have a history with programming a little bit? Uh, I didn't. 
I did Turbo Pascal, if that's 1995, I think. That was my only programming experience. That's just scripting. I, I don't see programming and scripting as the same. But uh, bad scripts, CMDs. I skipped VBS because I don't like writing pages of code for one line in PowerShell. So I started PowerShell uh, with Monad, I guess that's 2.0, I guess. That's like 14 years now, I think. Wow. No, but I haven't been that good at it all the time. I just used for things that I needed and just kept on building on top of that. And have you seen your career change as you invested more time in PowerShell? Lazier and smarter, yes. A good, a good admin is lazy because he automate, automated everything. So, exactly. Yeah. Yep. That's what I tell people, um, especially people with kids who are lazy. It's not necessarily a bad thing that they try to be efficient um, because, you know, as they get older and have a job, they're going to look to make things hopefully automated. That's what I do. Because if you solve the problem once, it's much better than solving it every single day forever or every single week. You know, don't repeat yourself. Um, and don't make the uh, mistakes. Uh, you, you can type everything manually, of course, but you will make mistakes. Yep. And it's easier to fix a process or a script than it is to make sure you don't make another mistake. Because humans, yeah. we make mistakes. Or you have to redo like 100 user accounts because you made a mistake in, in typing. Yep. yep. And I think it's easier to work in an environment where you don't feel the blame for mistakes. Right, it's not you who clicked the wrong thing. It's the script which we all have visibility into, and there's documentation around it, and it's a process. And oh, there's a problem. Well, we can fix it, and if we're really good, we can put in a test to make sure it never breaks again. The testing part is mostly done in production. Yes, yes. <laughs> oftentimes it's the best test, of course, but it's not very safe. That's true. Well, that's one thing uh, we recently learned at, at Summit was, you know, testing a prod is not bad because no lab is going to simulate your actual live thing. So even if you spend all that time, chances are you're still going to run into something new when you go live. Something unexpected, but at least more prepared. Yep. Yep. And I think being in a position where you're ready to recover from mistakes is much better than being in a place where you're always like, oh, I hope we never have any mistakes or things we have to change and never testing those processes. Like, It's better to be a place, well, there's trade-offs, but it's nice to be a place that actually does things and uh, recovers when things go awry. Yeah, and uh, you learn from your mistakes. Uh, well, you should, but... Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. So you've been in PowerShell since Monad. How have you seen PowerShell evolve over the years? Like, what do you notice that's different now compared to before? The cross-platform thing. Yep. Uh, that's where Microsoft invested heavily in the whole. We also support Linux. We also support Mac. It's, we also support Chromebooks, even for Intune now. Uh, it's, it's not just a Windows system anymore. And uh, Microsoft is good on that. So that's the thing that I noticed being different the most. Well, PowerShell 6 core, it had, it had its quirks. I think 7 was better, but yeah. Yeah, 7 was definitely a refreshing change of pace. Like I, 6 did a lot of things that were pretty cool, uh, and I, I liked where direction headed, but I didn't think it would be widely adopted. 7 was the one where I'm like, yeah, this is going to be everywhere, because it was it, it's everything you wanted where you can work across the board and still keep all your functionality within your Windows environment without needing any difference. I liked it a lot. No. So you said it works with Chrome OS? I've never, I've never tried. Oh, uh, no, no, no. I was more, uh, referring to Microsoft being like cross-platform oh. uh, on, on Linux. Well, a Chromebook is Linux, I guess. But uh, even in Intune, they support like every platform now. Oh, that's the, the, the thing that Microsoft did the best, so not just for PowerShell, but all the other things as well. Yeah, their open approach and trying to help people, or help companies, rather. No. When you think about your ideal person who's reading your blog, who's your ideal audience? 
someone who is actually running into an issue, trying to, to search for a solution, finding my blog, thanking me for it. <laughs> no, but actually learning uh, from it. Yeah. And uh, uh, sometimes I even get comments or like uh, a pull requests for my own GitHub page and they're, they're updating my code. So, and that's the community thing. So I, I hope I meet those people the most on my blog because uh, well, you can grow together so it's faster. Nice. Yeah, that's one of my favorite parts about the community is just that being, you know, putting yourself out there, having your solutions be searchable, being part of that awesome community that has so many good resources that probably helped you out, helped me out. It's it's very nice to feel part of something bigger than yourself. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. And some, <laughs> I had it the, the, the uh, I think I wrote like 20 or 30 blogs and then uh, I started posting uh, uh, things on a Discord sub-channel. People are harsh there. I got a lot of comments about my script and I adjusted every one of them and there were no comments anymore. Uh, you learn some... Sometimes there are different places in which you learn quicker because you get a lot more of comments, positive feedback, feedback. Yeah. But it sounds like it's been a good experience for you overall to have the blog, to be putting yourself out there, to be helping people. Yep. Yeah, just just for my job, but also also for uh, meeting other people, uh, being in more sessions and meetups, and yeah, it's, it's a much. Sometimes you say that IT people aren't that social, but they are. If you if you <laughs> if you if you did enough meetups or or whatever, then yeah. It's, it's a community and it's social. Yeah. It is interesting to see a lot of us refer to ourselves as introverts, but also under the right circumstances with the right people. You know, we come out of our shell a little bit. We share, we connect, we help others. The, the, the common misconception is that introverts can't function in social, which isn't the case. It's a, it's a learned behavior. The main difference between introvert and extrovert is in a conversation, do you gain energy or lose energy from having it. So in, introverts are more likely to be tired from it. So they can take part and do all the socialization, but at the end of it, they're going to want a nap. No. Luckily, I get energy from it. Yeah. That, that's, uh, yeah. I've always wondered what that would be like. Uh, the Any social interaction for me is so draining. I mean, not that I don't, I get value out of it. Like I enjoy the conversation, but just something about Socialization is just a tiring event for me. Is it like the processing after a, a, a meeting that you keep on processing it and that's why you become tired of it? Uh, maybe, yeah. It's, uh, I, I'm not that deep into my therapy yet, but I'll, I'll keep you updated if I can pin it down. Another question. Do you feel like you're better off for doing the community connecting conferences, the stuff that is exhausting, but it does take effort for you. Do you feel like you're better off for it or would you rather have not? I think I'm better off. I'm not like I'm becoming a better person because of it, but uh, no, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's good for my, uh, for my general knowledge and uh, getting to know a lot more people than I did before. You know, I think, yep. you know, and I think that it's also super good if you are at a place where you're the PowerShell person. You are the most advanced in PowerShell. Well, guess what? When you're part of the community, you are no longer number one. You can learn so much from others. Yeah. But you still look up to certain people. Uh, yeah. Definitely. And no. sometimes you become that person that people look up to like you have, my friend. Yeah, and uh, well, I'm too modest for that, I guess. But uh, you always have the uh, fear of not belonging. So, yep. am I really that good? I'm not that good. Other people are way better than me. But, yeah, don't doubt yourself, but it's hard sometimes. Yep. What what I like to lean on is like, hey, I may be advanced. I may be beginner. I don't know. It's hard to judge, but I can tell you what I'm honest and I'm trying to learn and I'm doing my best. So as long as that happens, you're good to go. And if you make mistakes, just be open to correcting them and learning from the experience and just staying comfortable in that zone is very helpful on a personal level, but also 
like I mentioned earlier, on the organizational level, when you can live in an in, or work in an environment where people are allowed to make mistakes or at least allowed to admit to their mistakes, admit when they don't know things, be open about it, be themselves, it's a lot more productive and you get issues solved a bit quicker, I believe. Feeling safe. Yep. At work or wherever. Yep. Yep. It's been interesting to work in IT as I think that that has really improved over the years. I've been in IT for like 11 years or so, and I feel like I've definitely seen things become safer. Maybe not everywhere, but just in general, more and more people are aware of it. They're aware of kind of the appropriate approach to solving problems and communicating and trying to learn how to do it better. I mean, so many of our guests we talk to talk about how if they could go back in time and teach themselves one thing, it would be to be kinder, to communicate better, things along that line. Yeah, I think uh, uh, IT always has like an image that they are the people in that dark corner of the company in which you just throw in pizzas and, and coke and I hope they do their job and yeah, you're, you're now seen as, as a normal person as and also an important person in the company instead of uh, just IT guy. I think the, the biggest shift for that mindset that I saw was during the pandemic when so many companies had to go remote on very short notice and IT was there. I, th I think a lot of the perception changed there just because the shift was able to happen for so many places that weren't equipped at the time. It's just a, it's, it's very, one of the very few cases where instead of IT running and so it doesn't look like you're doing anything versus showing value that was very public. Yeah, they, they couldn't get around you. You enabled the whole home working, uh, uh, working from home thing, and uh, yeah, yeah. I know the, now, luckily enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know the the IT team at PDQ had a remarkable turnaround. Like the all the IT people where we, Andrew and I work deserve all of the praise. It was impressive. Yeah, I think that's definitely part of it. I think also just in general, like companies are IT companies these days. Like everyone is a tech company to some degree. Um, and back in the day, I don't think it was like that. It was more like a tacked on thing. How important is this? But I think that in business school and all these types of meetings that business leaders are in, they're all learning about IT and the importance of it in some regard. Um, and just being kind of more mainstream might help break some of those boundaries down between people but interesting time to be alive i tell you what all these changes we're talking about ai getting out there and us being alive to witness it and experience it powershell being i mean you were there when monad was released you know on the whole ride and now look at it now it's cross-platform got all kinds of fun freaking awesome modules yeah it's so much nicer now, but it was a long road uh, towards it, I guess. Where do you see things going from here? Uh, well, most people would say it's all uh, AI, but I'm not sure about that yet. But I think it does help, obviously, for organizing your work, summarizing your meetings and those kind of additions. But... Most people say, well, the, the, the blogs that you write are probably a half created by AI. No, I haven't used ChatGPT at all. Just didn't because I want to do, I want to master things myself in, instead of uh, trying to make, make an AI uh, create a script for me, which I don't even understand. No. Yep. I agree with that. I think there'll be helpful tools, but the more a person is behind it, you'll be able to tell and the authenticity will make things rise to the top. And also, AI is trained off of all these blogs and things that we've already written. If we start only using AI to write them again, it'll just be this kind of cannibalistic cycle to the bottom. Yeah, and then you start uh, seeing... Uh... Uh, answers from AI, which look pretty similar, like the things that you wrote yourself, and might have been something that I wrote myself. Yeah. Well, also, apparently, AI has a pretty bad habit with PowerShell in particular, where it will, if it doesn't have an answer, just invent a module, and it'll give you like entire commands and everything. Like it's 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 fascinating to see some of the stuff that AI creates to try to make an answer if it doesn't have something directly. 
Yeah, at least if, if it's output something, then it's okay. But if if you look at it, then if you, uh, mostly it's like generic code, if it even exists. And sometimes it, it does things which no longer work or could never work. People just copy, paste, run it, and they're surprised that it doesn't work or do what they expected it to do. That's scary. It makes sense. If you go look at some random question on any of the forums out there, you're going to see generally four or five answers that don't quite hit the mark before they get to the perfect one. And AI is just going to grab all of those. So. The try, did you try restarting your machine? Did you try to reinstall the software? Yeah. All those kinds of horrible things and uh, run the SFC slash scan now command on your Windows system. Okay. Generic answers. Yeah. That feeds the AI, then uh, no, we're lost. <laughs> I have actually learned something new from your blog while we've been chatting. I've been going through your one for the automatic variables. I had no idea that dollar sign question mark was an automatic variable, and it's just a true or false based on if the command worked or not. Yeah, you can base it on exit calls or last exit, whatever. But yeah. I think I think that's pretty fantastic because you're right there. You used it for uh, in your example in your blog for error handling, where basically if it comes back and not true, then you know that there was an error, which has value for caption capturing where it may have gone wrong, uh, but it's not going to give you the the error code. But it's still a good starting point. Yeah, it's mostly for uh, debugging or simplifying your scripts until you can actually get nicer error codes instead of just the whole Microsoft dumped red text error, which most people kind of detach from it. I don't know what, what was going on. Just read it on your screen. But yeah, looks intimidating if it's red. Yes, it does. <laughs> Not referring to your t-shirt, of course. <laughs> well, I'm just intimidating in general. It's actually a beige shirt. That's just how intimidating I am. I have a question. What about PS style? Does that count as an automatic variable? It's a terminal thing, I guess, is it? Yeah, it's a variable that allows you to customize certain colors, things like that, the style, I guess. Yeah. But is it like Windows terminal only, or is it even available in... I think it's a PowerShell, PowerShell front. I think it's just regular PowerShell. Okay, well, I'm not the, the, the customizing type of guy, so... Me neither, but I know it exists. <laughs> I'm still curious how your prompt looks, but you're not going to show it, I guess. Um, yeah, I could, but we don't typically, because we're mostly, most of our listeners are audio listeners, so okay. we try not to make it too visual for them. But um, we've, we've thought about adding some video components, just that yeah. it becomes an editing nightmare a little bit. That sounds like a Kelly problem, not an S problem. It's true, it's true. <laughs> he has COVID, so he's a little sick. <laughs> So when you're dealing with people who you're kind of teaching PowerShell or maybe in your experience on forums and things like that, what resources do you typically recommend for people that want to learn PowerShell? Hmm. Well, learnmicrosoft.com should be a start, but it doesn't get into too much detail there. Ooh. Well, uh, I think I started most of my learning just by running commands with the get help and uh, a full or examples behind it and just browsing through the examples in the, in the help if it's available. Not all modules have great help, unfortunately, but the Microsoft ones do have. And uh, when you start to learn from the examples, you start to learn that the parameters, positioning and all the things then it comes kind of natural to you, and then you just scroll through the help files. But yeah, most Microsoft commands are on Learn now, and they are like extremely detailed because they're also GitHub enabled. So you can actually change it if you don't like like it. You can do a pull request on that. Yeah, I will give a shout out to the Learn Microsoft PowerShell 101 thing it was a book from mike robbins that was kind of adapted and it it goes into some more advanced concepts like flow control remoting functions one-liners things like that 
Yeah, it was a nice Microsoft Learn. Uh, I think I just retweeted it last week somewhere. It was about partial remoting. It was a great Microsoft Learn course, which wasn't there before, I think. A lot of people liked it, but I, I, I wasn't even aware that it was there. Looking through to see if I can't find it real quick. Uh, see, administer remote computers by using Windows PowerShell. Yep. That's yep. The one. yep. I'm going to capture that link for our notes for any of our listeners that like to take some time to look into that one. I think it's, it's pretty new. They don't tell an actual date when it was published, but it's like three modules and, and it's great. Uh, yep. So Microsoft Learn does have good products, uh, even since the renaming of DocsMicrosoft.com, which I still have to. Not all links for updated yet. Yeah. T like what do you make of all the shifts of where we keep our documentation? I'm just afraid that if I got it in my system there, it's learn Microsoft.com, it'll be rebranded soon, just like uh, Azure AD. <laughs> what what was it uh on Entra now or uh, Entra ID, I guess. There was like X directory, and then yes, the X directory domain server, so, so probably rename two. And even the on prem AD was going to be bad. I think they're going to just do a rollback, just like they did with Endpoint Manager and Intune. I think it's going back because people don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> there must be some kind of financial reason behind this kind of decision-making of rebranding all the time, but I don't get it. I'm not a business guy, apparently. No, but you're a marketing guy, too, and I, I don't know what the marketing guys are thinking because it's a very powerful name. Everyone knows it. So what's the... I do think that they're pushing more towards Entra. Everything is Entra now, but I don't know if this was a good idea. Yeah. They must have done some market research that I don't know about. <laughs> I'm not a marketing guy, though. So we have your blog to keep track of things and what's coming and and new things you're learning. But how do you keep up with new things in IT and PowerShell? I read a lot, a lot of blogs, a lot of tech community things, some YouTube channels. And every now and then I just think, I do want to do this, but is there actually somebody who did this? And then... I'll just learn something new again. It's just continuous. Uh, yeah. And that's how you keep up with Microsoft stuff for your job? Yeah, that and uh, sessions from Microsoft itself or the expert life uh, thing, which is, you would also have experts life in America, I think. Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, uh, sessions like that and former vendors as well. Uh, we have a lot of uh, IT partners who are working closely with Microsoft for their products and you learn a lot from them too. So yeah, it's just attending sessions, attending meetups. You have to put some energy in it. But it makes a difference, right? Because a lot of times, you know, you mentioned using Get Help examples. A lot of times when you're learning from people, they have examples that maybe you have to customize it a little bit, but can get a ton of value from just, just knowing where the resource is and then using it. Yeah, I, I made good use of that in my previous role to implement things that had a huge impact but didn't take a ton of work off of me and kind of enabled me to establish some credibility and things like that within our company and ultimately get us to a better spot. But being involved in the community, finding good resources makes a huge difference, especially if you don't work with someone who knows everything because no one knows everything. So you have to kind of find your resources and curate your lists yeah i have a pretty extensive uh, extensive uh, feedly uh, uh, I, I still do rss feeds and feedly is uh, great for that so it's it's a lot of news that you have to process every day but yeah. are there any rss powershell projects readers like, yeah like a reader or something like that rss feed reader um, one of my first blog posts was uh, how to actually read RSS feeds with PowerShell. So, but that was like, pretty basic, but I, I didn't make it. <laughs> That's with uh, Invoke REST method? Yeah, I, th I, th I think so. And it's, it, it, a WordPress site is also uh, RSS 
enabled by default. So uh, the li listing those fees is easy because it's really formatted out for you. Yep. Right. I think I made one that you can actually, if you start a new PowerShell session, that you actually get that info. Just like I, uh, when I start a PowerShell session, I will, will the uh, Microsoft 365 alerts. I just get them on my screen straight away. That's the start of my day, seeing what's happening, what issues uh, there are. It saves me a lot of time. Instead of trying to find advice, something doesn't work, I already read it. Yep. I like that approach. I kind of want to make a, a cool module, like an RSS manager where you can like enter in your subscriptions and then maybe get RSS feeds and it'll return all the ones that you have and maybe you can mark them as red. Oh my gosh, maybe make it a CLI tool, in a terminal user tool. interface. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> Select what you want to read from your list. Oh my gosh, are we developing on the fly right here? <laughs> Let me take note of that. What you should do is when you start working on it, don't put it in Git and definitely don't make it open source. You want this to be a private oh, internal thing. I totally forgot that. I can just say, hey, I'm working on this project. If anybody wants to help, here's the GitHub link. And then just don't work on it for a week. And, and people who That's listen. What other people make. <laughs> oh my gosh, Jordan. All right, don't tell anyone about this. I've oh. never been more convinced that uh, you're destined for leadership than right now, Andrew. Collaboration, Jordan. We're all in this together. All right. I did go capture the uh, link to the reading RSS feeds as well for all the, the listeners. So there is something, this is one that stuck out to me of your blogs of uh, text-to-speech. So my mentor has a script that will go through and apply a random Zap Brannigan quote, which if you're familiar with Futurama, he's a spaceship captain that says a lot of stupid things. So I want to take that and combine it with this, where I can deploy to remote machine, text-to-speech, random Zat Brannigan quotes. I think this is going to become a passion project of mine around the office. Yeah. Uh, the most difficult part is uh, when people actually mute their main volume. So you have to write around that. I, I, and I did. I just cranked it up to 100. There you go. Text to speech, and then I just put it. <laughs> That's a good yeah. start for a prank. It is, yeah. Everyone needs to know the wisdom of Zab Brannigan. He's what makes the Starfleet work. Take your word on it. All right. Well, we're coming up to the point that all of our guests dread, where we ask the three most difficult questions you'll ever ever have to answer. Okay. <laughs> are you ready? So this is it's understandable if you're uh, feeling worried. These are difficult questions. In no way did we send these to you beforehand. Are you ready? I'm ready. Yep. Right. Let's go. Uh, what is one time something went wrong while on the job? How did you handle it? And what did you learn? Something like really wrong, wrong, or just inconveniently wrong, or... <laughs> Well, that's up to you. We, it is uh, open-ended for your interpretation. Well, the, the, the thing that was the most... Uh, I, I think it was uh, when I still was doing Cisco uh, networking. Uh, I'm a CCMP. I'm not doing that anymore, but having the network knowledge is great. So I advise everyone just to do CCNA. Actually, knowing networks is great. Um, I worked for a data center, remote, big upgrade. And sometimes you run into a, a part that if you press enter, it's, it either works, or you completely destroyed it, and you have to like drive for quite some time to the data center. And during the night, I had to get in my car, get to the data center, get to the clearance there. I wasn't, uh, yeah, you have to call in front. Uh, upfront to the data center that you're actually arriving there. So I had to manage that all at two or three o'clock in the, in the evening, fix my errors and drive back. No, no sleep and uh, back to the office at the next day. So yeah, sometimes you have to like rethink pressing the last enter button a bit more. Yeah. And that does sound like a long night. <laughs> yeah, or short actually for sleep wise, but yeah. Mm -hmm. well, the second common parameter they only get more difficult from here so I hope you're, hope you're ready <laughs> okay right, with everything you know now what's one tip you would give your younger self when first starting in IT 
Well, that's something that I learned through the years. And I was thought of it as not being important. It's just getting your certifications. Like, take courses, take exams. Uh, it's, it's good for your resume. It's good for your next IT job, your street value. And just being able to show that you actually know things by doing your exams and, and passing those. A lot of people think, well, I'm just in IT and I'm good and I can show my 10 years of experience in some company. But it's your next company or just an IT guy with some experience. And if you have another one with a lot more uh, uh, certifications, they'll take that guy and not you. So, yeah, I think I skipped that, postponed that for like 10 years. And then I started doing exams and then I realized how easy they are. It doesn't make any sense. It's some, some like big mountain that you look up to and it, ah, I'm never going to pass that. But it's easier than you think. It, it, it's one of those, we have a, a recent guest that has started uh, blogging their entire journey while they're studying for, I think it was the Azure 204 exam. Mm -hmm. I thought that was an interesting approach to it. But it, it, I mean, a lot of work goes into it, so you're you're ready for it, but seems to be probably worth getting a, a few certs if you're looking for them. Yep. And keeping it up to date is easier now. The, the, every year you have to do redo your Microsoft exam. I thought it was going to be like uh, exam center visit again or being monitored. But it's, it's so easy just doing it in a, a browser not answering like 24 questions to extend your certification for one year. It's easy. I like that. I've been thinking of doing little study groups where we maybe meet on Discord and you know we're all studying towards the same certification together and kind of leading some of those. So it might be time I get a couple new certs under my belt. Yep. All right. You ready for the last of the common parameters? I am. <laughs> so normally I claim this one's the most difficult, but where you have a blog article saying favorite PowerShell modules that I use... Uh, what are your three favorite modules? There, there are things that I use a lot, not necessarily my favorite. I've <laughs> uh, been working on the uh, Microsoft 365 desired state configuration uh, for a while uh, for my uh, own company, uh, just to automate uh, our customer tenants and being sure that all the settings are there uh, according to our baselines. So that's the one that I'm working through, M365 DSC, I think. And import Excel. Well, I usually use it for exporting to Excel because uh, people want reports. And uh, I can just send them CSV files. And then they ask me, how do I get that in a normal Excel format? So import Excel is there for you to <laughs> convert it to an Excel format. Uh, and I scrape a lot of websites, so I think that the PSPARS uh, HTML is one. Uh, I use that to scrape HTML and get certain tags from it. This makes it a lot easier to actually format your, your output. I, I think those are three. That's the third parties that I use the most uh, next to the Microsoft ones. Yeah, those are definitely some good ones. So desired state configuration is definitely... That's when they just went open source themselves about a year or so ago, right? Yeah, and it has a nice web interface to actually make the whole configuration file that you need for all the components that are there. So it's, it's, it's pretty easy. There are other products where this is nice and it's open source. So. Right. Well, you passed. And I know that's a scary <laughs> time, but... Uh... I want to win then. <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell you what you won, and this is a big one. Uh, because this whole time you've been talking, you've been in the presence of a celebrity. Uh, Andrew is he's the greatest shill person of all time. In fact, his recent bout of illness, people don't realize this, he lost his voice completely. But once he thought to himself, oh, I've got to shill something, his body cured itself just so we all can hear the magic. So you have won a front row seat to an all-time legend as he shills our podcast. Take it away, Andrew. Oh, I'm very jealous of harm right now that he gets to witness this. But to everyone listening, thank you so much. We've been on a journey together. We've been on a journey. You, me, Jordan, harm. It's been fun. Leave us a like, a comment, 
a subscription on YouTube. If you're listening to us in your ear holes, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. You can listen anywhere. All right. If you have questions, concerns, feedback, want to send us a million dollars, the email address is PowerShell at PDQ.com, and we'll get back to you shortly. I'm at Andrew Plotek. He's at DevOps Jordan. And Harm, thank you so much for joining us, my friend. Where can we find you? Uh, on all the socials, as uh, Harm Feenstraat, but it's d difficult to pronounce. But you can go to my PowerShellisFun.com website. We'll get people a link as well, make it a bit easier. Yeah. All right. Check out the show notes. A lot of good links in this uh, show notes for this episode. All right. Thank you very much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining the PowerShell Podcast with your hosts, Jordan Hammond and Andrew Plaw. I dig it. The PowerShell Podcast is a production of PDQ.com, making device management simple, secure, and pretty damn quick.